It's good to see you and to worship with you this morning at WPC as we celebrate All Saints Sunday. Today we also continue our What Disciples Do series as we're reflecting on what disciples do and what we do as disciples in light of the great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. To do this, we turn to the letter to the church in Ephesus as we hear what disciples are to do in light of a great inheritance we've received through Christ, passed down through the saints to us in the pews today. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the first chapter to the letter to the Ephesians, beginning with the 11th verse. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards God's redemption of God's own people, to the praise of his own glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, and for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So throughout the New Testament, those whom we would call Christians, or disciples given our series this fall, they'd more commonly be referred to in the New Testament as, first, the people of the way as we see throughout Acts. But then eventually, the preferred name became the saints, the hagioi in Greek, which actually means the holy ones. Today, we think of saints as either, uh, like our Catholic and Episcopal friends and otherwise, the exemplary people the church has formally recognized for their powerful witness to the faith. Or for many of us Protestants, we think of our mothers and fathers of the faith who came before us the very people we remember on All Saints Day. So for both groups, saints are understood as those who have finished this life and have joined the church triumphant. That is, of course, unless you're from Louisiana and the saints are your football team. <laughs> but throughout the New Testament, anyone who professed faith in Christ was called a saint. Living, dead, all were saints. And it was the most common name for a Christian. 
And this is how the Christians in Ephesus are addressed in our reading this morning. The shared title, Saints, unites the Ephesians with one another, but also with all other disciples. And this is a pretty significant detail. See, the church in Ephesus was composed of partly Jewish Christians and then some later Gentile converts. The epistle writer realizes that as more Gentiles join the church, the more their community changes and the less inclined they are to do things the same way they did back when they were in the synagogues. In addition, there were, in addition to these changing dynamics in the community, there was also a conflict over allegiance. Ephesus, like much of the ancient world, was a Roman-occupied area, and people were expected to bow to the emperor and to claim ultimate allegiance to him. The Ephesians are brought together here with this title of saints. They're brought together with one another, but also with all disciples in Christ. Today on All Saints Sunday, we are brought together through this title of saints as well. We're brought together with each other in our congregation, but also with the entire church. But most importantly, we're united with our mothers and our fathers in the faith who have gone before us those who have finished their race and are now among that great cloud of witnesses. We all have saints in our lives who have shown us what disciples do, how to live a life of gratitude and service to God. So often in our minds, we reserve the name saint only to those who do big and bold things for the church. But some of the most faithful saints are those whose humble service largely goes unrecognized. At my former church in Knoxville, I had the privilege of knowing a saint named Sam. Sam had lived with MS for a number of years and had, at that point was battling a very aggressive cancer that had reoccurred. After a few rough months, he succumbed to the disease, but his resolve and faith remained steadfast throughout. While preparing for his funeral, I remembered that he owned a small printing business in town and after three years, finally put the pieces together that he had been quietly making and donating the t-shirts for our vacation Bible school for at least five years. He had done so so quietly that, of course, the pastor didn't know about it, but the only person in the whole church that knew was the Christian Ed chair, and she was sworn to secrecy. After figuring this out, I asked her about it, and she shared how much joy it brought him that he was able to help the church in his own small, special way. Seems to me we don't celebrate such faithful saints nearly enough. We don't recognize the impact they have on the church today. All Saints is the day to do just that, friends. So the writer in our, our lesson unites the Ephesians with one another and with all Christians in this little word, this, little, this title, Saint. But there's more. He says that you all, as saints, you have received a glorious inheritance. Scholars are quick to note that inheritances were extremely rare back in the first century. But here the Ephesians are told that together as saints, they are the heirs of this vast inheritance. What exactly is this inheritance? It's the power of God's love and redemption. We hear that this power was put to work through Christ 
in his life, death, and resurrection. That it has been continued through the saints in the church, and now it is our turn. This inheritance takes the form of hope. Hope for redemption. Hope for resurrection. Hope that the world has been and it still is being redeemed through Christ. This inheritance is something we receive through God by the witness of the saints who came before us. Our mothers, our fathers in the faith. And we realize this, this, uh, this inheritance together. Even in the face of death, we realize this hope and inheritance of redemption by God's love. In my first call in Indianapolis, I was asked by our senior pastor to go visit an elderly couple in the congregation. They had expressed a desire to join the church, but uh, the, the wife was not, able to, uh, uh, was not well enough to attend our new members' classes at the church. So our senior pastor sent me over to perform what I now call a rogue new members' class. When I arrived at their home, I met the husband, Richard, and learned that they had moved to Indianapolis to live with their daughter so that she could help take care of his wife, Sally. Sally was now confined to her bed. She was barely responsive and was receiving home hospice care. Richard told me that a couple days before at Sally's doctor's appointment, he was told that Sally's prognosis was not good and that he needed to be prepared for her death. This prompted Richard to call the church. He told me they had always been church members, but since they moved six months ago, Sally's health had prevented them from joining a congregation. So he just he looked up a church and called us. He said, I know she would want to be part of a congregation when she dies. We always have been. So I breezed through our normal curriculum for new members classes and just talked very briefly about what it means to be a Presbyterian and part of the church. After that, we went to Sally's room, and at her bedside, Richard told me some of their fondest memories together. Then Richard and I each took one of Sally's hands, and I asked them the membership questions. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Will you be a faithful member of this congregation? And so on. Richard responded for both of them, but as he was doing so, Sally's eyes got bigger and bigger as they locked with his. After a prayer, I declared them members of the Church of Jesus Christ and of Second Presbyterian Church. That was Friday. On Sunday morning, the day of resurrection, I received a call that Sally had died that morning. We did the funeral the next week, and the following Sunday in the bulletin, you would see both of their names listed as new members of the congregation. If you scrolled a little further down on that same bulletin, you would see Sally's name added to the list of those who also joined the church triumphant. This couple was aware of this great and glorious inheritance. More than being aware, this was the very source of their hope, even at life's end. These saints also remind me that we can only realize this hope in a community, in a communion of saints. Friends, there's a reason Ephesians is is written to a community, to a church. It's not written to an individual. This inheritance, this hope, is not something for one person. It's not something for an individual, but for all of the saints, 
Even more so, it's not something that can be received and lived out by one person. Only in a community can we realize this glorious inheritance of the saints of God. From the very beginning, saints have realized the need to live out this inheritance, to live out this resurrection hope together in a community. In her memoir, Breathing Room, Heidi Newmark recalls an old Hasidic tale. When a disciple asked his rabbi the meaning of community while sitting around a fire, As the fire died down, the rabbi looked at the pile of glowing coals. Then he got up, the rabbi. He moved one of the coals from the pile with the stick and set it apart from the others. The rabbi noted to the the disciple how the fire and warmth from that isolated coal quickly died out on its own. So it's only together that we can keep the warmth and the fire going. It's only in a community of saints that we're able to live into this resurrection hope, this great inheritance we've received. Such a community provides us companions in joy and counsel and perplexity. Such a community simply helps us realize that we are part of something greater than ourselves. We've learned what it looks like to live in such a community to live out this resurrection hope from the saints. We learn this from the people who have come before us. And we learn it from the ones we gather with each Sunday to worship the living God together. On this day, we remember that in Christ, we are all brought together. All the faithful, the saints of every time and place. It's very fitting that soon we'll gather again at our Lord's table. Because here at communion, we are gathered with the saints who came before us. This meal is a foretaste of the heavenly banquet, the great meal where the saints of all time will come from east and west, from north and south, to sit together at table in the kingdom of God. Here at this table, we're strengthened by Christ and we're gathered with those before us to be reminded that we are heirs of this greatest hope. Disciples, maintain resurrection hope. This, friends, is the glorious inheritance we have received by grace through Christ, passed down to us by the saints, our mothers and fathers in the faith. So saints of God, may we go forward in hope, knowing that we are surrounded, knowing that we are continually strengthened by the great cloud of witnesses who have come before us. To the Lord our God, Alpha and Omega, be all glory and honor forever.